Welcome to the story behind her success. It's Candy O'Terry, and I am so grateful that you're here. Thank you very much for listening. Now, today's story is about a young woman who didn't talk about what happened to her when she was only six for about 20 years. Why did she keep it to herself? Well, maybe because it was so painful, she just couldn't go there. Maybe she just didn't want people to treat her differently. Maybe she just decided she had to live her life and find a way to let it all go. Here's the story. It was April 1999, just a month before her seventh birthday, when her father shot her mother to death in their New Jersey house. He shot her once in the head and once in the heart. This was the violent end to years and years and years of domestic abuse. The coronavirus quarantine raised incidences of domestic abuse and domestic violence by more than 25% all across our country, making her message even more important for all of us to hear. She's now a New York City-based fashion blogger and the co-founder of Angel Energy, which is a really cool clothing line that's fueled by her belief in the power of resilience. She's also on a mission to be a voice for children who have lost a parent to domestic abuse and domestic violence. Her name, Sarah Ripley, and this is her story. Sarah, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Sarah, can you take us back? What do you remember about that night in 1999? Growing up from the inside looking out, my family seemed really normal. I was an only child and my parents both had really successful careers and we lived in a great neighborhood and no one really knew what was going on behind closed doors. But my mom was suffering from years of physical, emotional, verbal, financial, sexual abuse at the hands of my dad for their whole entire marriage. And She finally, the month before, in March of 1999, she picked me up from first grade. It was like, I remember getting called down for early dismissal, and she had made a plan to run away to Florida with me. So we left right from there, and my grandparents, who had a winter home in Florida and also a house in New Jersey, were staying there for the winter, her parents. So we went there and, you know, I, I was young at the time, I was six, but I do remember my mom being on the phone a lot with lawyers and talking to my grandparents and, you know, really trying to make this work to escape. Her lawyer had advised her that if she wanted to win custody over me, you know, it would look better if she came back. And then we spent the next couple of weeks at my grandparents' house in New Jersey. And on April 7th, there was a court case where my mom had won temporary custody over me. So my dad agreed in front of lawyers and everyone there that she could come back to the house the next day, April 8th, 1999, to get all of her belongings. That day, she brought my grandpa, her father's minivan, and the whole time that she was there was supposed to be supervised. We were just sitting downstairs and my mom was going up and down the stairs with boxes and you know trash bags to get her things. And my pop-up sitting next to me had actually fallen asleep. I just remember hearing her scream, Frank, no. I'll never forget the sound of a gunshot, but it sounded like two bricks slamming together. And my pop-up still was sleeping. He didn't wake up. My dad came down, got his father, went upstairs. I guess he showed him what he did. 
And I just remember trying to run up the stairs and my dad was sitting at the top of the stairs and I was like, where's mommy? I want to see mommy. And, and he said, you know, she's resting right now. We were just moving furniture. He wouldn't let me get through. And then my pop-up was like, come on, let's just go. You know, I'll tell you in the car what's going on. When we got in the car, he just said, your mom is in heaven now. Afterwards, he had shot her a second time and then finally called the police on himself. Wow. First of all, Sarah, thank you for sharing that story. When I was getting ready to do this interview with you, I was thinking to myself, do I ask her to take us back to that night? And it's so painful, but it's such an important part of the rest of your life. What happened next? Did the police arrive? Did your father go to jail right away? And did you ever get a chance to talk to him? Did he ever offer you an explanation? It sounds like your grandparents stepped right in. There was a custody battle over me between my mom's parents and my dad's parents. So I actually, for the next three years, didn't have a home because I just went one week at one grandparents and then the next week at the other grandparents back and forth. It was a really sticky situation because I had been very close with my dad's mother. She had retired when I was born. So instead of having to go to daycare when I was a baby, she would just babysit me every day. Really, my mom's parents were the better fit for me for so many reasons. Not only did they just lose their daughter, but they were younger financially. like They had the means more to support me and give me a, a better life. But I was so close with my dad's mother that it was a hard situation. And I think the judge was trying to take that into consideration. During all this time period, they had me see a therapist and she was reporting what she thought. And it was just a really, really complex case. And in the meantime, my dad had called the police on himself. And when they got there, he was arrested. So he went to jail at first. And then they said he had a bail trial or a hearing. I'm not sure exactly specifically what it's called, but basically his lawyer was like, he'll never be able to make the bail was set at $400,000. And his lawyer pled this whole case that he would never be able to make that bail. And the judge ruled, okay, that was what the bail was set at. And then his whole side of the family gathered up the money and paid the bail. So he was actually free for like 18 months before he was actually sentenced to go to prison. And finally, in I believe it was 2001, he was sentenced to 18 years in prison, but like 15 with good behavior. So he actually was released from prison when I was 23. It sounds as if it's one of those typical situations where the child gets stuck in the middle. And of course, you know, we have to believe that the courts are trying to do the right thing. But it sounds like you were somebody who had suffered so many losses in your life. Your dad gets out of prison. Have you ever seen him? No. So I wasn't allowed to have contact with him on the phone or anything growing up. But we would write letters back and forth that were like supervised. But I was a teenager and it was Christmas Eve. I was in high school. I think I was like 15 at the time. And his mom was like, you know, just say Merry Christmas on the phone to him. And I'm not sure exactly how everything transpired, but somehow the conversation turned into him saying, she deserved it. And I just hung up the phone. And that was like the last time I had any interaction with him. And he hasn't ever tried to reach out to me. It's such a bizarre situation because, you know, he is out, but he has never apologized. And I don't think that he really is sorry based off of him saying that on the phone to me when I was a teenager. So it's just as if neither parent has existed for me since that day. 
you know, you have also mentioned in articles, when you lose a parent to domestic violence, it's like you lose them both. Yeah, I was virtually left like as an orphan from that point on because I, I don't have siblings and they were both just gone. My whole world was just completely turned upside down and everything just happened so fast and, and unexpectedly. But at the same time, now looking back in recent years, I've just been really looking into the case more. I never really looked into it as much when I was growing up just because it, it was painful for me like during that time. And I think I just wanted to be a normal kid. But now looking through things, there's so much like foreshadowing for so many years and it's just really sad. But the only thing I can do about it is to persevere and to do something to make a difference of something that I can control. You've also said that despite all this pain, you had a pretty good life. So it sounds as if your grandparents did a good job with you. Who were your role models then when you were growing up? Yeah, they did an amazing job. So my grandpa, my mom's father, was just such a gem. He would teach me about life and help me with my homework and took classes on grandparents raising grandchildren. And they just were so focused on me just having a normal childhood. And they really helped me to achieve that. And then at age 10, I met my best friend who she's still my best friend to this day. And I kind of refer to her as like my angel on earth, because we met in fifth grade. And her name's Kim. And she's just like, a sister to me, like she has always helped me to be really grounded. And I think I'm more of like the free spirit type. And we both like complement each other in that way, but have just both grown as people together. We ended up going to college together. We're in the same sorority. And she's still such a big influence in my life to this day. And my other set of grandparents too, you know, everyone, I think it, it takes a village to raise someone. And that's really kind of what happened. You know, it's interesting that you should say that. I'm a huge believer in the expression, it takes a village to raise a child. I was a single mom and I had some girlfriends who helped me and former brothers and sisters-in-law. I think that they got a very rich exposure to all different types of people, you know, because I needed some help. But I wanted to ask you about the 20 years that you spent really not talking about this. And I'm looking at a quote that says, I never wanted anyone to look at me differently after knowing what I had been through. Talk to me about your decision to become vocal about domestic violence. Oh, it definitely was not a decision that happened overnight. I think it was a decision that happened over a few year span of me kind of going through a quarter life crisis at 25 and just not really understanding like the root of my unhappiness, even though it was so obvious. It was because I had so many suppressed emotions, but throughout college and throughout everything, I think that was how I temporarily healed throughout my adolescence was just not talking about it and being the same and living a normal experience. And then when I got to be around 25 at work, I was sent a binder in the mail from where my mom used to work. And in the binder, there was a note and it said, Sarah, I found this on a bookshelf it looked like it was half finished and it got lost. And the woman was like, I never worked with your mother, but I'm on a hunt to find the right Sarah. So if you're not her, can you please send this back so I can continue to find her to give this to her. And when I got that in the mail and it was right before I turned 25, it felt like my mom had sent me a gift or a sign. And that is what really just changed a lot of me wanting to open up that part of me slowly, but surely after finding that binder, started telling each one of my best friends over the course of like the next year. And then during that time frame, I had also started a fashion blog. I wasn't sure 
why I wasn't happy. In addition to like not really fully understanding it was from the suppressed emotions, I had started this blog and I was just taking pictures of my outfits and that was providing me the source of creativity that I was lacking because that's really what makes me happy. When I started the blog and I started just talking about all these different aspects of my life, it was at that point that I thought, you know, I think it's time. I think now that I've told like each one of my friends, now that I have this platform, I felt like everything aligned to share my message. I just wrote everything I was feeling and how I just genuinely felt. And I just published it the same day I wrote it. And that was kind of how I first introduced my story. And then from that point on, I just slowly started to share more and more and get more comfortable with it. And, you know, I'm still growing to this day with it. And here we are. And here we are. The blog post is amazing. And the blog is called The Scoop by Sarah Rip. The Scoop by Sarah Rip. Dot com. And I've already read it and I've become a subscriber and I hope all of our listeners will do the same thing. The fact of the matter is that 1,000 women are killed every year by men they know. You decided to create a fashion line which is called Angel Energy. Tell us all about it. Once I had shared my story on my blog, I wanted to do something that incorporated domestic violence awareness and fashion. But I was like, I don't know, those are two completely separate things. Like, how do you even put those two together? But I just knew in my gut and in my intuition that I just, I had to do something with it. So I actually left my job in corporate America at the end of February, 2019, with this vision of doing something. And there's like a lot of brainstorming because I wasn't sure where to start. Initially, I was thinking maybe I would start a nonprofit or, you know, what way did I want to go first? There's so many different directions, but it just felt right to take this route. And it one day in the spring after I had quit my job, I was just working remotely now, like on my business and trying to create something on my blog. And I was sitting outside in Philadelphia. That's where I lived at the time. And I was just thinking and the word like angel energy just came to mind. I was trying to think of like a lot of different positive affirmations or something that could kind of encompass my my vision and my message for this brand. And my mom always wore angel perfume. Like that was like her signature scent. And I was drawing because I like to, like I said, like art and and creative things. So I was like sketching out the angel perfume bottle. And I think that's what kind of sparked the angel. And then the angel energy was on my list of like names of things I could go for. And that was just sticking out to me. And I was like, I think that, you know, I could create a brand that could just encompass that exact message of using your guardian angels to fuel you to do good and and to rise above. And that's kind of how it was born. And then it was just a matter of executing it. And my boyfriend, Mike, he's the other co-founder because he's like the behind the scenes guy. He really looked into, you know, how do we do the groundwork for this? How do we build like the website and all that? And we finally were able to launch in August 2019. Well, the details are that you're the co-founder of Angel Energy, which is an e-commerce fashion brand. So tell people how they can take a look at your stuff. We have our website at shopangelenergy.com. And our Instagram is angelenergy.social. And I forgot to mention with the brand, its purpose is to raise awareness for domestic violence. So we donate 25% of our proceeds each month to a different charity. And usually we'll base that around what's going on in the world, any current events. So during the quarantine, that was the time where domestic violence was on the rise. And it became such a national issue and a global issue. And 
it was just escalating it and it still is, you know, from like the ripple effects from it. And so we took that opportunity that during April to make our charity of the month, the um, national domestic violence hotline, because that was like the one place we could count on that we knew, you know, nationwide wouldn't shut down because of the pandemic and shelters were filling up and it was just, you know, craziness. So this way where we donate to a different charity each month, we're able to touch more people directly. So that's like a big part of what we do too. And we've been doing a lot of like fundraising events with Angel Energy and, you know, collaborating with like local fitness instructors and doing classes where we can just raise um, money directly that can go 100% towards whatever month's charity we're doing. It's pretty amazing, Sarah, when you find yourself on the right path in your life, things start happening. Isn't that so true? It's so true. And it's, you have to take that leap of faith because I was so desperately wanting all the puzzle pieces to be there of, you know, how's this going to work? But I think when you do things out of pure intent, it kind of just works itself out. You know, you had mentioned that when you were creating Angel Energy, you were thinking about guardian angels, you were thinking about your mom. We recently had a woman on who calls herself the DC medium. And she was telling us that our loved ones talk to us. Sometimes we're just not hearing them. They're all around us, but we just aren't listening carefully enough. It sounds like on that day when you got the binder from that very nice lady who sent it along to you, and then when you were sitting there sketching out this whole angel energy thing, did you feel your mom around you? Oh my gosh. It's been so crazy because ever since starting this, I feel so much closer to her than I ever have. Like I feel her around me. There has been so many signs that she sent me along this whole journey that has helped to get me to where I am, whether it's through a song, it's, it's crazy. And when you do speak things out loud and when I ask for a sign, I remind myself that ask for a sign. And when I get the sign, don't ignore it and act on it. And I really do believe that our loved ones are with us and It's just our decision if we want to tap into that and see the signs and and act on them. What has been the lesson for you, Sarah, in all of this? How have you survived? And can you pass along some wisdom to a woman who might be in a bad situation right now who's listening to this program? I've turned to spirituality, not in the sense of religion, but just like in belief in a greater good, just as like a focus point to just shape my mindset around. And I think everything in life is really about mindset and your outlook. And I've naturally always been a really positive and and optimistic person. And I think that has helped me a lot. And I think that if, if people can shift their mindset, and I think everyone has the power to do that. And, you know, if you shift your mindset, and you rise above, no matter what circumstance you're born into, or has happened to you, you ultimately create your own path and future, and it's in your hands. Sarah, a couple questions for you that we ask as we start to come to the end of our time together. When an obstacle is in your path, how do you get around it? It's tough. I mean, I pray on it. I read a lot. I I try to educate myself. So something I struggle with an obstacle is forgiveness. And I, I try to have forgiveness in my heart for my dad, not for him, but for me to let go of of that negative energy. And what has helped me to kind of get through those things is when I turn to education, education, whether that's like a spiritual book or a podcast or just something to kind of help reshape my mindset. That always really helps me to get through obstacles. What is the best piece of advice you've ever received? And can you share it with our audience? To remember who you are 
every person has their own unique gift and their own unique story and talents. You should just trust yourself. You can do whatever you set your mind to. The domestic violence hotline is 800-799-7233. And if there's a woman listening who can't talk on the phone but could tap something out on a computer, just go to thehotline.org. Final question for you, Sarah Ripley. What does success mean to you at this moment in your life? At this moment in my life, I don't look at success from a monetary standpoint because I am starting my business. I, I'm looking at success more from, I guess, just being spiritually at peace, both in my career and in my heart and soul. I think that would be success for me at this point in my life. Sarah, I want to say thank you so much for sharing your story and for inspiring so many people on the story behind her success. Best of luck to you. Oh, thanks so much, Candy. Thanks for having me. That's Sarah's story. And there is so much wisdom there. So much for us to learn. Check out her clothing line at shopangelenergy.com and support her effort to be a voice for children who've lost a parent to domestic violence. I am really grateful to my sponsor, Tech Help Boston. It doesn't matter where you are in the world because Dave and his team of pros can fix your home or your office computer virtually. And let me tell you, they have come to my aid many times. They're the best. Just mention Candio, you'll get 10% off. Go to techhelpboston.com. This is Candy O'Terry on a mission to spread inspiring stories around the world. The website, candyoterry.com. What's your story? I can't wait to hear it. <laughs>